A lightning storm can dramatically and instantly change the dynamics of a ranch when it creates a wildfire that races across your place. When that stuff starts to blow around and little sand dunes start to show up everywhere and cow tracks are filling up with dust and ash, that's a scary feeling. Travis Brown with the Yellow Cattle Company in Sand Springs, Montana, joins me today as we talk about how they recovered from a massive wildfire in 2017 and how the recovery strategies have some applications even for those that are facing drought or other natural disasters on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, hello, everyone, and we welcome you again to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we thank you for joining us. If you're listening here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, we thank you for joining us as we are here every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. Or if you're listening via a podcast provider, thank you for that. And as you as you well know, that is a good way for you to go back and listen to not only this show, that if there's something in there that you like or you want to share with somebody, but you can also go and listen to some of our other episodes that we've had as well on the Working Ranch Radio Show. But as we look on today's agenda, I, I tell you what, I'm kind of excited about today's show for a couple reasons. Um, with our guest, Travis Brown with LO Cattle Company out of Sand Springs, Montana, we're going to be talking about how they recovered from a massive wildfire that they had in 2017. Now, as I said in the intro, there's going to be some strategies there that they use that are probably very applicable to a lot of us as we're finding ourselves in some drought situations across much of the western part of the U.S. and in the southeast part of the country. You're kind of going to get some wetter weather. You've had wet weather and now potentially hurricanes coming in in the season. But with that, there some of the other things that, that come out of that conversation was just how much the agriculture community came together in light of some of these natural disasters. And it really, I guess it does does you good to feel that there's some hope in humanity, I guess, in a, if you want to put it that way, as you hear the story today from Travis Brown with LO Cattle Company talking about their wildfire recovery. Also, the captain, Tim O'Byrne, he is back. Yes, we've missed him for the last couple of episodes as he's been busy with getting a new edition of Working Ranch Magazine up and ready and out the door. And also last Last week being at the cattle conference in Nashville, Tennessee. So he is back with another edition of Tim's Two Cents. So we're glad to hear from him here in just a moment. And meteorologist Don Day will be joining us with a look at our long-term weather. We're starting to see some cooler weather and some moisture across the droughty areas of the west of the northwestern part of the country. We're going to see what that's going to look like. And we also start to explore what our long-term weather is going to look like as well. Before we get too far, I would like to send a big thank you to our sponsors of Working Ranch Radio Show, the American Simmental Association, Sim Genetics, Heterosis Works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. Performance Beef, easy to use. Cattle management software, find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Beefmaster, nothing beats a Beefmaster. Find out more at Beefmasters.org. And the Working Ranch Expo, you'll find all of us from Working Ranch Radio and Working Ranch Magazine there December 8th, 9th, and 10th in Las Vegas. To find out more, go to WorkingRanchExpo.com. And Gelvy Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to Gelvy.org. Well, it's time now to check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine, for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin, great to be back on the air again after a couple of weeks. Went to the NCBA trade show last week in Nashville, and it was so great to see everybody that we haven't seen in so long visiting, new products, new services coming out. The trade show was excellent. And I have to say this, folks, if there was ever four individuals deserving of a Lifetime Achievement Award, it would be Dr. Ron Gill, Todd McCartney, Kurt Pate and Dr. Dean Fish for their, uh, I, I can't even tell you how long they've been doing the Beef Quality Assurance uh, Cattle Handling Low Stress Short Course at the trade show in front of a packed audience every single time. The information these gentlemen and their their team members have imparted 
to all of us over the last 20 years, it's, it's incalculable. It's like a glacier. I told Ron and Todd that it's like a glacier. You guys just, you slow moving. And when you're done, it looks pretty good. And I know it took a long time in some cases for the message of the low stress cattle handling, uh, to kind of come through. But I just want to thank you, you folks, for everything that you've done, all for you. Um, you guys are master cattle handlers in, in, in my eyes, and I know everybody appreciates what you've done. Justin, back to you with a great show. You bet. Well, thanks, Captain. And absolutely, I, too, am a strong believer in the BQA program. Uh, Beef Quality Assurance is what that stands for, if you've not uh, ever heard that before. But it is something, if you go to their website at bqa.org, not only can you see some of these seminars there online, but you can also take certification classes as well. And it's just something that we as ranchers, if we're all doing this together, can help with our product as it moves through the chain. So definitely something very well worth the time and the effort and uh, the resources that they have put into that program, the folks that are involved in that program over the years. And thanks, Captain, for bringing that to our attention here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, stay with us. When we come back, Travis Brown joins us with LO Cattle Company out of Montana as we talk about their wildfire recovery on their ranch that burned out half their land. When we come back, we'll talk more about it. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. We'll be back after this. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed-identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and our topic today is recovery of wildfire for a ranching operation. You're going to hear more about that in just a moment. Uh, But before we get to that, I think there's some interesting statistics that would be interesting to know. For example, did you know that the 10-year average of the amount of acres consumed per year here in the United States is 4.88 million acres. This year alone, we're at nearly 4.3 million acres. We saw a high back in 2015 of 7.1 million acres in consumed in wildfire in 2015. Now, fire has is kind of a double-edged sword because there are some good things that it can bring to to the landscape, definitely. And you're going to hear about some of that today, but also cost. For example, in from 1985 to 1999, the average annual cost to for wildfire suppression in the U.S. was $425 million per year. From 2000 to 2019, that cost had risen to $1.6 billion. Yes, that's billion. $1.6 billion per year that the U.S. spends in wildfire suppression. So major cost to our economy. There is no doubt about that. Well, with that, let's turn now to our guest, Travis Brown, who's the vice president of LO Cattle Company. It's his family's ranching operation located near Sand Springs, Montana, in Garfield County. And Travis, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio. Show. Well, thanks for having me, Justin. It's a pleasure to be on. Travis, every year, you know, the country's dealing with a large amount of acres. This year is none, no different than it was in, in previous years of the number of acres that we are seeing consumed by by wildfires. And I want you to go and give give uh, those of us listening here kind of what what it was with your the wildfire that affected your guys's operation so we understand kind of the scope and the size of everything that affected your ranch so uh what the the fire that we dealt with you know we're not not different from a lot of ranches in that you get a dry summer like this and a lot of times we'll have a small fire that burns three or four hundred acres or a lightning strike that gets a gets a small patch you know it's it's a lot like a, a lot of the, your listeners country 
that that when when you get a dry lightning storm, everybody kind of heads up on the ridges to to deal with the aftermath of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but in 2017, in late July, we had um, 11 lightning strikes around our county, and four of them that we but we couldn't get out that next morning. Uh, eventually burned together, creating the Lodgepole Complex fire that burned about 270,000 acres uh, in western Garfield County. Um, and of that, uh, about 50,000 acres, maybe a touch over that, was was um, kind of right in our direct direct area. Um, the 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 part of the, of our ranch that burned was about was just a touch over 50 percent. Um, and so, so it, uh, it was a massive impact to, to our operation, uh, when, when in a dry year, half the grass was all of a sudden gone. Mm -hmm. So along with the grass that was gone, there's also infrastructure that you guys had to deal with too. And, and I think that's something too, this, the, that folks uh, need to understand is that not just the grass that was burned, but fences and just all of that kind of stuff that we just kind of take for granted that now you've got to do something about. Yep. Yep. Uh, we lost about 60 miles of fence, um, in that fire, which was, uh, the, during the event of the fire, um, you know, we, we kind of told everybody, you know, friends and neighbors that were, that were standing between that fire and our home ranch, um, that, you know, make the best choices that you can. You know, if you think a fence needs cut, cows need out of there, we can deal with that later. Uh, let's get those cows out of danger. And so, so we, we, we uh, wound up the, the first project after the, after the fire was definitely figuring out where the cows went. And, and thank the Lord, we, we didn't lose very many cows. Um, uh, in my estimation, I guess, uh, we we lost three or four lame animals that, that just couldn't get away from the from the fire. But by and large, the cows the fire wasn't moving so fast that that it was able to to consume livestock like some of those ones that you hear about in in Oklahoma and, and in that area where those fires are moving seventy miles an hour with the wind behind them. Ours wasn't really that situation. It was it danger had a wind behind it. Yeah. It was. 15, 20 miles an hour, and so we were able to, to get the cows out of the way in front of the fire, and then then uh, that was one of the first projects was was getting horseback and trotting around and going through the neighbor's pastures and, and uh, sorting back out whose cows were whose and, and getting them back home. Mm -hmm. As you talked about the fire that affected you, the lodgepole fire, when you say half the place was consumed in that fire, and, and yet at the same time, most of your cattle were out, were able to get away. It still was moving pretty quick because if I remember right, that happened in about one day's time, right? Yeah, it was dang sure moving, moving quick. Uh, we, the day of the fire, it, um, we kind of have a, a county road that kind of comes to a T and the, the fire was coming into that T and, and kind of out of some rougher country to the north. And, and, uh, we, we were, kind of prepared you know because first thing in the morning you know the winds usually kind of laid down at least a little bit and the and the uh and the not as hot as it's going to get in the afternoon and, and we were we were prepared we had like, six or eight neighbors around with pump trucks and we had a road grader there and and uh we were setting some backfires off that county road trying to trying to get a keel on that fire to kind of to kind of turn it a little bit or slow it down and and uh you know just as luck would have it, that day was about 105 that that, mm. that afternoon, and and about two o'clock in the afternoon, the wind came up and, and it burnt burnt half of our ranch in one afternoon. Mm. Like it it was it was well on down the country by the by the time it was dark. You know, it's it, amazing to me how fast those big fires can move. I just just yeah. never had experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. Travis, I want to go to when that was starting to happen, and and I know some folks have experienced wildfires, and there's thoughts, and there's emotions, there's things going through your head. Do you recollect kind of some of the thoughts or the things you were feeling at that time when 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 you knew at this point in time, okay, it's going to get serious here? Yep, it. Uh, I, I remember feeling uh, very thankful for for our neighbors because it was. I mean, it was just one of those situations where you've got 
more than you can handle. And, and, uh, and everyone was, was working together to do as, as much as we could and steer that fire away from, from buildings and from farms and get, get horses out of the way of it. And, uh, and very thankful that, that we had all of our, all of our friends and neighbors there to, to, to stand between the fire and our house and not yield. It, uh, it, it, it was humbling to feel that, you know, the, the other things that, that, uh, you know, everyone, every, I remember everyone doing a really good job of checking on each other and making sure everybody's safe as it's going on and, and that nobody's in a situation that, that, uh, that, that's putting their life in danger. Uh, and, and that, that, uh, we're all watching out for each other as, as that's going on. Cause it is a high stress and a, and a dangerous situation, but, but, uh, that, that's first and foremost, uh, on, on our crew is, is to make sure everybody's in communication and everybody's as safe as they can be, uh, in that situation. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Travis Brown of the Allo Cattle Company out of Sand Springs, Montana, talking about how they recovered from a massive wildfire on their operation back in 2017. But beyond the initial things that had to be taken care of the days after the fire, what were the big items that they needed to look at in terms of rebuilding on their operation? We're going to talk more about it when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. Payday starts with superior Beefmaster cows. Yes, the Beefmaster female has stayed true to her original purpose, to help ranchers in tough environments improve performance, survivability, and longevity. So if you're giving up ground in traits that matter, consider Beefmasters. The breed will jumpstart your cattle and give your next calf crop a performance boost. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do for your herd at beefmasters.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our featured topic today that uh, we are uh, focusing on is the recovery of, of a ranch following a major wildfire. And my guest is Travis Brown, who's vice president and manages the LO Cattle Company out of Sand Springs, Montana. And if you're you're just joining us, uh, back in 2017 is when the Lodgepole Complex fire burned over 270,000 acres in uh, Garfield County, Montana. Their place located in Garfield County, half of their ranch was consumed in that fire. And and Travis, we we, we briefly talked a little bit in the first segment about some of the initial things that had to be taken place. As you said, uh, grab a saddle horse, get out, find your cattle, uh, get uh, find the neighbor's cattle, kind of get things sort of sorted out from from that. But beyond that, there were larger things, a larger scale of, of the recovery that had to take place. What did that look like for you guys? Well, you know, so the, the fire happened so all at once uh, that, that um, you know, like like our place burned, burned that one afternoon. And then, you know, the next thing you do is run to the neighbors and try to help them uh, stop the fire that's breathing down their neck. And, and so that went on for four or five days of just dealing with the emergency of trying to get the get, get around the fire. And we're thankful for the, the federal resources that were put towards that fire, you know, and, and, and so within, within a week's time, the, the, the fire was pretty well corralled. Um, I, I don't remember exactly what the containment level was, but once, once it got to 40, 50% contained, they kind of had a perimeter around it. It was still burning out some of the, the stuff in the middle, but, but once we kind of got the fire out, then we were able to move, move on to, okay, well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it just kind of like anything else, you know, I mean, we're, we're moving into fall work and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, one project after another. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way that fire was. It was, you know, we didn't have a place to keep our horses first of all. So the first thing that we did was go get the, get the horse pasture pens that had been cut fixed up so okay now we got the horses crowd okay what's next well let's go start working through the places where we know that our cows have have gotten out or where they may not have any feed anymore because because their their feed sources are burnt up and then we kind of got those cows uh gathered up and found and sorted and 
worked with neighbors of, okay, you know, our cows are in your, with your cows or your cows are in with ours and kind of got everybody's cows located and, and home. And then, then there was a little bit of a time to, to take a breath and decipher how do we go forward from here? And that's where, you know, talking to other ranchers that, you know, had had their places burn, um, talking to uh, range specialists and NRCS people and different fire recovery experts of how do we how do we turn this into a good thing? Because by and large, talking to ranchers, you'll people that have had a fire, uh, in my experience, that that does some good for the generative uh, part of the system that these that these grasslands have is they're kind of adapted to fire. But how do you handle that in a fashion that that is good for the good for the rangeland and makes it makes it better two years later than it was before uh, is is something that we we wanted to do as well as we could. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the aftermath of, of then getting your range ground pulled together because it's one thing for the fences. It's one thing to have the, the pastures kind of rebuilt and put back together. But you've got a tremendous amount of range now that has to be handled in a very delicate situation. And so who were the resources that, that really helped you? And, and what were the things, that, the delicate way that you went forward in trying to rehabilitate what was burned? So the, the resources that that helped us first were, you know, I, I think in those situations, you just instantly turn to people that you trust. And those were our, our local conservation service and, and NRCS folks uh, that, and, and, and FSA folks that, that were there to, to kind of help get a structure around how does this recovery happen? You know, it was, and and then you know because th- they've they've seen it before, and in that situation, it's really nice to have somebody that that can that can come in and say we've seen this before, and here's here's how we how we approach it. Um, so, and, and then of course talking to peers that have been through the same the same situation and and what worked good and what didn't work good. Um, so the fire happens and everything's black and there's soot everywhere, and then it starts to the wind starts to blow typically in eastern Montana as most of Wyoming and other places in the West. And there's nothing to hold that soil. And that is a that is the most devastating feeling of when that soil starts to blow. Because you know as well as I do, like we don't have very much topsoil yeah. to deal with and we're trying to do the best we can to preserve it. And you know, when that stuff starts to blow around and little sand dunes start to show up everywhere and cow tracks are filling up with dust and ash, that's a scary feeling. Mm-hmm. And and that I think encouraged me to do the research to figure out what what is the best way to get some cover back on that rangeland so that it so that it can heal. So from that point, then um, who were who were the resources that that kind of guided in that process? Because I know there was a couple ways. There's different things you've got. You've got everything from some timber country to open range and, and different, different types of ground has to be handled in different ways. So how did you address that? So the first thing we did was, uh, two people that were instrumental in, in the recovery was, uh, Cammie Kilween and BG Fitzgerald. And they're, they're local NRCS people. And, the, and so, you know, once we got the cows kind of gathered up and a plan plan for the feed, Cammie came out and we went around and we started looking at the crowns of those grass plants and trying to decipher like, is this plant alive or dead? And, and, uh, and so in that process, you know, down on our hands and knees in the ash, digging around, we, we determined that most of the plants, because it was a dry summer, had already went dormant prior to the fire. So as long as those plants were, were given a chance to get some rain on and, and get some cooler temperatures and recover, uh, we, we thought that, that they were going to be able to come back pretty strong. And so um, going through that, uh, the, the next question is, well, how, you know, we're just like every other ranch, we're always a little bit short of grass. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, how, how do we get to a, a uh, how much rest does this, do, do we need to, to give it here, you know, before we, are able to utilize the, 
the range line again, because cows are a key part of that recovery process. Um, the first thing in, in, in our experience that, that we needed was we, we started with, okay, this, this ground needs to rest. And so um, we deferred the grazing on, on our ground that had burnt uh, for, for about a year. Um, and, and that gave, gave those plants a full season to, and, and thank goodness that next year we had, well, that winter we had a lot of snow mm-hmm. um, in, in 18 and 19, you know, probably just about as much as I've, as I've seen. And so we, you know, we're playing two feet of snow, uh, which in hindsight, I, I remember at the time feeling like, man, alive, fire and then a bad winter, what's next? <laughs> but, but really, uh, that was helpful to the recovery because that deep snow, there wasn't any grass to graze anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and it, that deep snow covered the soil and protected it and then gave it a good drink when it started to warm up. And uh, you know, was soaked into the soaked into the soil profile and, and made some some water available, so those plants really had a chance to to take off and recover that next that next spring. And so then we allowed those plants to we, we didn't graze them. They all you know, a lot of them went to seed because you got the higher um, nutrition in the soil with the with the ash that's in there. You know, a little extra nitrogen and a good year. Why a lot of that western wheatgrass, blue grandma. And, and blue bunch wheatgrass and, and uh, green needlegrass, you know, a lot of it, more so than not, even on a normal year, put out put out seed heads and extra tillers and and you know those plants responding to trying to recover from from the situation. And then then we came in with the cows and they're the ones that seeded it for mm-hmm. us, you know. And and the hoof action and the, the grazing and the nutrition from the manure was able to kind of get that ecosystem kick started again and and it. It did recover very, very well. Mm-hmm. When we look at old pictures, uh, all of us have old pictures of the ranches when they were either first homesteaded or when Grandma and Grandpa moved into the outfit. And one of the things that I've always found interesting is there's a lot more timber in the country than there was back in the day, and, and that's partly because of, of wildfires. And, and we've we've hampered some of that by, by, by controlling these wildfires, so we're good and bad at that. I know you had some forest timber, some timber country in your on your ranch, and one of the, maybe if you want to call it one of the good things was the fact that we got rid of a lot of those pine needles under those trees and kind of get a restart. How did you do that with the timber country on your ranch? So we do have some timber and by and large, the intensity of the fire was not such that it, that it uh, scalded the clay soils and, and kind of sterilized the ground. The, the, the heat of the fire somewhere between 900 and 1,000 degrees in most situations, if my memory serves me correctly. So it was hot enough to, to, to obviously burn all the, all the uh, litter and grass that was there, but it wasn't so hot that it, that it negatively impacted the soil. Mm-hmm. And so what we did um, in some of those situations, uh, the, the denser timber were, I'm sure you can, you know, when you're riding through that timber, there's not a lot of grass right at the foot of those trees. There's a lot of pine needles. And so, and those pine needles burn and, and the, and the, the presence of those pine needles and the lack of, of native grasses right in, in those thickets of timber um, kind of made it to where there wasn't as good of a seed bed. Uh, and I would largely say the same is true for some of the thicker uh, patches of, of big sagebrush. You know that sagebrush that you're riding through that your spurs are dragging on when you're when you're you know that that was thick and hot. And there wasn't a lot of well, wasn't a lot of plants to regenerate there. So some of those areas we came in and we tried to do some some uh, seeding in, and, and we did it a couple of different ways. We did it with a with a no-till drill, um, uh, a 15-foot no-till drill that to try to do as little disturbance to the soil, but get the plants there that, that, uh, that could really, you know, have a long-term positive impact on the, um, on the rings. And, you know, like we, we tried a couple of things that, that we don't have a lot of in, in Eastern Montana, like Sandpoint and Sicer Milk Vetch and, and some, some nitrogen fixing, yeah. uh, plants that would, that'll work well in a, in a, grazing range situation 
And then, then we did it with some broadcasting in the timber because you couldn't get around with the no-till drill. So we, we had a battery-powered uh, broadcast sprayer, and, and Dad drove the ranger around, and I filled up the sprayer in the back. And, mm-hmm. and really, that that stuff grew very, very well. Um, and, and like I say, I mean, everybody's a good farmer when it rains. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. so it, yeah. it rained that year, and, and, and I think that helped. Make it help the recovery along. You know, I, I guess I would say, you know, after a fire, the first thing that you need is is eight or ten inches of rain. Yeah. And whether it takes you two years to get that, or whether it takes you a month to get that, you know, that that's that's what those plants really need. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Travis this time about some of the federal resources that were made available to help them in this situation as they rebuilt from that massive wildfire. We'll be back with more. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. How do you manage data for your cattle business? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Get real-time access from anywhere with Performance Beef. Update rations, generate real-time closeout reports, record health data at the chute, in the pen, or pasture, or analyze performance trends all in one place with ease. Your feed, financial, and health information is integrated in one easy-to-use platform accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and my guest today is Travis Brown, who manages the Elo Cattle Company uh, near Sand Springs, Montana, located in Garfield County. And we're talking about the rebuilding and the and the process that they had to go through after the massive lodgepole complex fire in 2017 burned over half of their operation up. And Travis, you talked about utilizing the resources that were made available through the Farm Service Agency and the NRCS offices as well. Not only uh, their folks that are there, the range specialists and their resource, their their knowledge of what needed to happen, but also uh, resources such as the emergency conservation program and i bring that up mainly because even this year for a lot of folks that are in a widespread drought situation that we see uh, that program is even available so i think there's some information here that you can help some folks in just understanding that that program but out of that what were some of the things from that program that helped you rebuild after that fire uh the technical expertise was very valuable in that they done a lot of the research on on what kind of fencing is gonna is gonna work well in the in the merge between cows and wildlife you know and and the, the fence spacings were different than what we normally mm-hmm. would would use uh but they've worked really good um and and then you know they'll help cost share some of that fencing expense and and so it's kind of a, a thing that works works well, for everybody, they end up with a more wildlife-friendly fence uh, that that, uh, and we end up with not having to bear the burden of the entire uh, cost of rebuilding. And so, I think that's a that's a situation that that works really well. You know, it's the same thing on you know the water development because I I truly think Justin that the that the drought was much harder to deal with than the fire was. You know, the fire was an an event and it, it's you know headline news and it's sad to see the devastating pictures of of you know pastures that are burned to nothing but in all reality everyone is dealing with that in you know a seven state area this year it, it, they're, you know where the drought has made the to where there isn't any feed whether it's burned or not in a lot of these places mm-hmm. and so that's what i think the ECP program can help significantly with is, you know, getting, getting us, you know, some water development, using what grass that there is and, and, uh, and trying to do some projects that, that maybe, um, use those corners of the pasture that you're not, that you don't historically use or, or fix a, you know, in our country this year, there's a lot of reservoirs. I mean, you hear all the time that, people saying oh i haven't seen that reservoir dry in my lifetime you know and and this is the year that that's happening and so so 
uh, having a, a backstop of those ECP programs and stuff like that to, to come in and do some water development and, and help these ranches survive the drought times like this and maybe be a little more resilient next time it's it's dry uh, is, is a big deal. You bet. Travis, as you were talking about just all of the rebuild that had to take place from the fencing to the reseeding and everything, as a rancher myself, the first thing that comes to my mind is labor. Was there, how did you get through all of that? I mean, I know you probably have some help there on the ranch, but in terms of what had to be done, there's a lot of labor involved. How did you address that? That big fire in 17 was, I've never seen a such a response to to a, I don't know, I guess it's an ecological disaster, but an agricultural disaster. You know, a lot of times we, uh, I, I'm, I'm 35 or 37, and so, you know, you'll hear some of the old time, oh, what are you on Facebook for? Well, I truly believe that the, the social media is part of what got the word out about our disaster and, and got a lot of people that, that hadn't ever been to eastern Montana and had no reason to care about us to come and donate materials or time or hay or, you know, to try to help us recover through that. You know, a big chunk of the fencing, uh, we, we had, we had uh, you know, I guess it'd be, it'd be donated or, or, or uh, people came from a long ways away and, and kind of just wanted to see Eastern Montana and looking for a project and, and, uh, and saw a need and came to help, you know, everybody from, I had, we, my mom's from over in Missoula and, and I had aunts and uncles were the first ones that, that came and helped. And, and, uh, and we had, we had, uh, a, a church group from Iowa came out or, or Ohio, excuse me, came out and, uh, they, they, we built four or five miles of fence and, mm-hmm. and, on the last post, we wrote we wrote the Buckeye fence because they, they you know it was it was and, and it's neat for them to see it because it's you know, all countries you know special in its own way but but uh, they'd never seen the the vast open prairies of of eastern Montana and and so they they enjoyed getting to getting to see it and and it was fun to to work together and to to uh, make some lifelong friends out of out of a deal that you know and then. Uh, another one that I'll mention was one of our friends from up north of Glasgow, and he uh, he's a farmer, but of course, you know, same same thing talking earlier that mm-hmm. the drought was. I mean, it didn't just affect the only the, the only drought wasn't the area that burned. There was quite a bit of country that was in drought that didn't burn, and and his his farm crop wasn't very good. And he said, I don't, you know, I'm not that busy. I can come down and help. And he was there for a month, you know, helping to to find crews and teach people how to put clips on fences and how to build braces and put in T-posts and stretch wire. And, and uh, it was humbling to have that experience of having so many people that were so ready to help in a time that we, we really needed it. Yeah. As you look back on it now, Travis, is there anything about the whole situation that, that surprised you? I, I know you talked a lot about just being very humbled about the outpouring of support you got from neighbors, from from just folks in the agricultural community. But beyond that part, was there anything as you as you look at it now and, and you've had a few years past this that you come away like, wow, I didn't see that coming? The recovery was better than I than I thought it was, you know, it's kind of, I I suppose I have a skewed view of it now, just seeing how, how these, how resilient these rangelands are, uh, when, when they're taken care of, but, but, you know, when that happened, I thought, you know, golly, it's going to be several years before, before we can, you know, rebuild and, and, uh, be back to kind of where, where we were before, you know, from a grass production standpoint and, and, Really, these these rangelands are tough, and when you know, it, for as for as dry and dusty and dirt and soot and ash blowing in the air as it was in in September and October, boy, by you know uh, a, a deep snow winter and uh, and and a good wet spring, and boy, by branding time that following year, you know the 
the western wheatgrass was just waving in the wind you know and it's, it's stirrup high you know it, it was just incredible you know this year of course it's it's about it's just barely tall enough to brush your ankles when you're walking through it or another dry year but but boy when it when it was good it was just amazing how well it how well it recovered um you know i i, I wonder if you know we've got a we've got a six-year-old and i wonder if he'll remember it uh yeah. because those prairies were solid sagebrush you know they're not solid but yeah. a lot of sagebrush you know kind of like a lot of you know eastern montana is and and the growth point on the big sagebrush uh, western big sage is above the ground and so when it burned it killed it mm-hmm. the uh the silver sagebrush, the growth points below the ground, I think, and so it, it was able to regenerate from the roots. You know, so some of those like coolies and draws that had had silver sagebrush in them, you know, that's that's come back, but the but the big sagebrush hasn't, and it and, and still, you know, five years later, you know, when I'm looking at that, you know, they're cabin pasture, so we're used to just riding through them all the time, and, and uh, it's still still amazing to see. You know, no sagebrush at all, which from the ranching perspective uh, has helped. You know, that way uh, the, the, what, what moisture we get is going to grass production and, and a plant that does some good for, for the cows, you know. And, and eventually, I suppose, some of the sagebrush will, will start to come back. But but uh, it's western big sage is, is not a, a plant that we manage to try to get more of, I <laughs> <Yeah>. guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll wrap up our conversation with Travis Brown of the Allo Cattle Company about their process in rebuilding after the massive wildfire on their operation in 2017 and some final advice he would give folks going through wildfire or some type of natural disaster. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galvay and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galvay and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Gelvy and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvate.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, as we wrap up now our conversation with Travis Brown, who is the vice president of their family's ranching operation and manages the L.O. Cattle Company near Sand Springs, Montana in Garfield County. As we've been talking today about their process of recovering after a massive wildfire in 2017 burned over half of the ranch. And Travis, I guess more of a personal question to you, but as you manage your family's ranching operation, how has it made you a better ranch manager? I don't know if there's anything that could make me a better ranch manager. There's a lot of room for improvement there, but it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I think it's, it's just taught you that, you know, even though it's, you know, kind of like right now, like it's tough out there you know, right now in a, in a seven state area, nobody, I mean, even, even the old timers haven't seen it this dry for this, you know, this big of an area, but you just, you just have faith that, we'll get through this too and and it may be pretty dark right now but you know we will get the rain when we need it the most and and uh hopefully hopefully that's sooner rather than later and so you you know you just kind of do the best you can with with the situation that you're in and and uh and mother nature hopefully will will reward you once in a while and, and like you say it'll be It'll be fun once we get through this 2021 because <laughs> the next good year will feel even better for how bad this year has been. You bet. Travis, uh, and you've kind of offered bits and pieces of advice throughout our, our conversation here today, but as we kind of start to uh, tail out and finish out our conversation, if, if you could just pinpoint a few things that you would just offer as suggestions or advice to somebody that's not, maybe it's wildfire, Maybe it's, maybe it's, a, I mean, shoot, we're talking hurricanes down in the southeast part of the country or drought that we're dealing with, but just maybe a couple uh, snippets of advice or, or thoughts that you would give folks when they have to endure or encounter a natural disaster. Uh, I don't know. One that I always think of was uh, 
my granddad wrote in his journal that, that Sand Springs, Montana looked like a good place for a man to carve out a ranch through the sheer force of work and will. And I think that that's true of anywhere in in the West. Like it's it's a it's a beautiful place and 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 sometimes it does take a lot of work and a lot of will, but but the cows and the rangeland will reward that. Maybe not as soon as you would like sometimes, but eventually that 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 resiliency and that that uh, effort will be will be repaid, you know. And 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 the other thing that I would say is is it uh, it meant an awful lot to have people coming to help us in our time of need, uh, you know, whether it was whether it was you know farmers from Iowa or or cousins from out of town, you know, it, it, it felt good that like people want to help you recover. And so that, that's, uh, you know, one thing that, that, uh, that I have learned and it, and it's very, like we, uh, the next year we had a good year and they had some bad fires in Oklahoma and we've met some people through the fire that, that, uh, that brought some hay up to us, uh, from Inglewood, Oklahoma, and they had a big fire down there. And, and so, we, we were able to send some hay back to help them. And, you know, that, I think that's the nature of people that are in agriculture is we're, we're kind of all in this together. You know, we, I, I say it all the time, like Garfield County, it's very tight knit group of people because none of us could survive without each other. Like yeah. we, we couldn't get our calves branded without the neighbors, but we all, you know, larger than that, we couldn't have rec- recovered from that fire were it not from neighbors that, that may be from a little further away, but think like, think a lot like us and, and act like us and treat people well. And it's just, it's, I'm proud to be in an industry that's like that, I guess. You bet. Well, Travis, I want to thank you for taking the time out. I know it, with it being a dry year, everybody's kind of scrambling. So I appreciate you taking the time out or your schedule to join us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Oh, it was an honor to be on. I can't wait to listen to the episode. <laughs> I, I really enjoy your show. All right. Well, thanks, Travis. Sounds good. Thank you, Justin. Travis Brown, who manages their family's ranching operation near Sand Springs, Montana, the L.O. Cattle Company, my guest today. And very good information there as we hear about how they recovered from the wildfire, but also very encouraging to hear how the agricultural industry reached out and helped him and his neighbors there in Garfield County as they recovered from this massive fire in 2017 and how they, in turn, the following year, helping folks down in Oklahoma. That's what it's all about, and it's good to hear those kinds of stories taking place in the ranching industry. Stay with us. We'll take a look at our long-term weather with meteorologist Don Day after this. How would you like an easier way to organize and manage your ranch records? It's easy with CattleMax, the software for people who raise cattle. CattleMax brings all your ranch records together in one place. Manage your cattle data, including health treatments, breeding, and calving. Ranch records, such as equipment inventory and maintenance, income and expenses. It works for any size herd. See how easy it is to manage your ranch records. Start free now at CattleMax.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and joining us now again is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And Don, before we get into that, and I'm going to kind of surprise you this with this just a little bit, but uh, we, you and I had talked a long time ago about weather stations and some of the stuff out there. And I know uh, one of the weather stations you've, you're kind of talking a little bit now these days is the Davis Weather Station. What, what can you tell me about that one that you're liking? Well, first of all, the Davis Vantage View is, is a weather station that's been around close to, I think, about 15 years now. It's made in the USA, and it's made of some really highly durable sensors, which is important because there's a lot of weather stations you can get out there that are wonderful for a year or two, mm-hmm. but the UV, storms, hail can kind of just beat up those those weather sensors, and make your weather station, you know, good for not very long. But what I like about that particular product is it's long lasting and uh, accurate, very accurate in terms of its rain, in terms of its temperature, humidity and wind. Um, It's kind of like anything, Justin, to get a really good quality instrument, you got to pay maybe for a little bit more than you want to, Mm -hmm. but it will, it'll last a long time. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, let's let's get into our weather here because we actually see some dynamics happening. If you look at the northwest or western part of the country, a little bit of a cool down. The southeast, we're starting to see more of the hurricane season opening up. So let's start in the northwest, the western part, northern tier of the country, and, and seeing some much-needed relief starting to take shape. Yeah, someone uh, sent me a message this morning and said they forgot where their windshield wiper was in their truck. <laughs> it's been so long since <laughs> yeah. they turned it on, but we finally got some really good rain, and we'll get more uh, across parts of the northern Rockies and into the northern plains. And then also, you know, getting as far south as Utah and Colorado, especially western Colorado and the Wasatch Front of Utah, uh, but I think the area that is going to get the biggest relief and the area that hasn't seen a rain like this in a long time is Montana, and parts of northern Wyoming and the western Dakotas. Uh, there's going to be widespread rain, even, dare I say, as high as 10,000 feet, there could be some snow showers mm-hmm. mixed in with some of the showers with the system moving through. And it is ushering in a big cool down. Well, temperatures will be 20 to 30 degrees below average. Not only across the northern Rockies, but we'll see this coolness spread east across the Dakotas and places like Minnesota, northern Iowa, parts of uh, the eastern Dakotas that have uh, been real short of rainfall are going to get some rain out of this as well. Mm-hmm. Our program this week, of course, was on, on wildfires and recovery from wildfire. The, you talked about some relief happening up in Montana. What about California? Because that's another state that's just been severely devastated by wildfire this year. Yeah, unfortunately, there isn't much hope, at least in the next week or so, for any significant rains. The the hope, I think, and, and I think I'm fairly optimistic with this, as we get into, let's say, after Labor Day, as we get into the first 10 days of September, I do see the pattern changing there that could help. But they're going to be suffering another couple of weeks, probably, with no significant rain. Mm-hmm. Let's move into the Corn Belt in the Midwest. And what are you seeing there for the next couple to three weeks? Well, uh, they're going to see a fairly active pattern and also some heat. Uh, there's going to be uh, a shifting of what has been really hot weather in the West to much warmer, humid conditions in the Corn Belt Midwest and the eastern side of the United States. Um, what I see for the central and southern Corn Belt is pretty much routine late August weather, which means some heat, humidity, and occasional showers or thunderstorms. That northwest corn belt, Iowa, parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, the eastern areas of the Dakotas and Nebraska being a little bit cooler and better chances of rain. Well, Don, thanks for joining us on our Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. That's meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And you can tune in to his daily video podcast through his website at dayweather.com. A thank you to the sponsors of the Working Ranch Expo, the American Simmental Association. Go to simmental.org for more information. Performance beef, easy to use, cattle management software. Beefmaster, find out more at beefmasters.org. The Working Ranch Expo, December 8th, 9th, and 10th in Las Vegas. I will be there. Hope to see you there as well. And the American Gelvey Association. Go to gelvey.org for more on Gelvey Balancer. A thank Thank you to Mr. Travis Brown for joining us as my featured guest today from the LO Cattle Company out of Sand Springs, Montana. Also, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting the studio right here at 307-363-COWS or shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. You can join us right here. Every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.